welcome back to the podcast that has this week found out that their spot in the All-Australian backline has been taken, stolen, swindled by someone whose team ended up in the top two. Fucking Tom Stewart, bro. And Stephen May. I'm calling two for two on that Oh, okay. That's Um, controversial. You are listening, of course, to The Back Pocket. Uh, This is it. The Last Supper. uh, Around 23. Um, It's the the ultimate episode. It's the ultimate ultimate episode. episode. Um, (laughs) My name is Jack Turner, and I am, as always, joined by the man who will be taking Kane Corn's spot on next year's All-Australian selection panel so that Connor Rosie doesn't get in the side. It is Alistair, Beast Mode Hampton. Beast Mode. Beast Mode. That's me. Yeah. Uh, well, you should have heard the mic test I did this before. <laughs> <laughs> How um, are you, other than cripplingly depressed about football? I'm fine. Um, I do want to quickly just back up and say I agree that Connor Rosie should be in the All-Australian 22, and I would pick him over Sam Walsh, who plays for my own team. So Connor Rosie had a fantastic back end of the season. I'm, I'm not but denying him his spot. just feels like Kane Corns gets on the team <laughs> and he's picking Connor Rosie. Now that he's had a chance to pick him, that he's in the squad, yeah, yeah. Nah, I'll pay it this year. We'll see how it goes in future, though. Yeah, it was a... I mean, he did have a... His back half was very good. Yeah. Um, yeah it's fine. Didn't he finish look, top five in the coaches' votes? Oh, yeah. He's, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's... You can't really deny that. Yeah. I'm Can you just, imagine being top five in the coaches' votes and missing out? Rosie's not one I'm upset about being in the side. Um, Laird. You talking about Laird? <laughs> yeah, I am talking about Laird. Um, Rosie's not the one I'm upset about. There, there was others in there that just... It's fine. It's it's you're a on the it's, wing? it's a vanity pick. Yeah. Nothing comes about it. You get a jacket. The only you get a jacket and Hawkins ten years. Hawkins doesn't fit his anymore. He can't button it up in the middle. It sits open like this. It's... Ten years later, when you're on Fox Footy, it'll pop up at the bottom. At the bottom. Four times All Australian. Five times All Australian. Two hundred and fifty three games. <laughs> Two hundred and three games. Ben Dixon. <laughs> um. All right. Into the votes. It is you to start. Oh, my phone went. Um. It locked because it's on low battery. Oh, <laughs> so no. it's a good start. We're doing good here. Uh. My first vote. One vote. I had to sneak him in. I couldn't finish the year without mentioning him. The man, Sam Collins. Sam Collins. One he vote did, for His me. first half in that game was insane. I mean, they, they they didn't really need it too much, to be fair. Um, but the reason I'm picking him is because 12 disposals, 9 marks is pretty good. Uh, but he kicked it 100%, or at least yeah. he did kick it 100%. Yeah, he kicked it 100%. Um, Bunch of intercepts, couple of one percenters, just a nice tidy game. Happy to give him one. It was a good. It was a good finish to the year. And I, yeah, I had to. I have to mention him because throughout this whole year, he's been one of my favourite players to watch for the Gold Coast Suns and possibly over most it, teams. It was a real shame just watching his reinforcements just get injured around him. Because um, mm. Gold Coast backline in the first half of this year was really their strength. Like they were a bit rebounding really well and defending really well. And he seemed to be the only player who managed to manage to last the whole season. Yeah, poor pal. Poor pal. Managed to manage. Um, My one vote was to a favourite of ours, Jack Sinclair. Fair enough. Um, Was huge in their second half when they tried to come back at Sydney in that game. Uh, He had 27 touches, 13 contested, which is huge for the kind of game he plays. For a half-backer, yeah. Um, 10 intercepts and 8 inside 50s. Whopping game. Yeah. I, you won't find me denying any praise of yeah, Jack Sinclair. He, I got his All-Australian, which he deserved. Um, yeah. I think that was one of the most unanimous ones going around. There was no argument here. Um, and, yeah, good bit on him, Jack Sinclair. Go Sinclair. My two votes probably could have gone higher, but, uh, you know, I'm pretty happy with my uh, top three votes this week. Uh, two votes to Braden Maynard. and I'm always going to hesitate when I say Braden because it doesn't it look doesn't right to me. It doesn't sound or look right. Um he had a massive game. Uh, it's hard because he did play a short burst as sort of a tagging mid, but that's still a defensive role. 
if we're being completely honest. And he was killing it off uh, off half back. So was it seven he, intercept I possessions and five hundred and fifty meters gained? He was one of the ones that I saw time. criticized most to be in the Australian side. And I was like, tell me you don't watch football without telling me to like he has been so important to them this year. Um, especially in those close games. If he where... wasn't playing that game, Colin would not have would not have won. No, absolutely not. He's nope. in that last quarter, he was so ruthless at the football. He crashed and bashed. That's um, what Brayden Maynard yeah, does. Yeah, he's just a little nugget man. His neck is as white nugget as my man. body, I think. I say a nugget man a lot. Um, yeah, no, he played a very good game. My two votes was to Harris Andrews. Um, Understandable. I think he's had a much better back half of the year. We talked about that Definitely. last week. I didn't get him in. I think it was a special mention last week. But um, he's looking the good heading into finals, which is important for them. He will have his hands full playing on Lynch this week. Mm. Um, this-ish week. Uh, but yeah, if anyone was to blame for Brisbane getting pumped in that game, I don't think it was him. He yep. had seven intercepts, 16 spoils, and didn't lose a single contested one-on-one for the night. Um, and somehow had two score involvements with zero inside 50. So scoring <laughs> chains out the wazoo. Well, you know what? That's gone completely under the radar for me because I didn't even have him in my special mentions, but uh, that's a pretty good stat line. Yeah, it um, was good. I think it's just because I saw them get pumped and went, oh yeah, I'm not picking anyone from that team. It usually is hard to pick someone <laughs> in a team that just gets absolutely <laughs> obliterated, but um, I found the spot for him this week. I think, we were, I think we were very critical of him, was it last year uh, in particular? Did he end up making yeah. All-Australian last year? I'm not sure if he did, but his end to last year and start to this year were incredibly shaky. Yeah. Um, but he's really found some form as the season's gone on and been pretty important to them because, boy, do they leak. I was looking at the stats. He has so many more contested one-on-ones than any defender in the comp because Brisbane's midfield just lets that ball go in there. The um, old Liam Jones principle. Yeah, he's got I, the I, most one-on-one wins because yeah. he has the most one-on-ones. Yeah, it's insane how much the ball gets in there. So, and that's credit to him in another sense that maybe has a few goals kicked on him. But I think you would too if you were facing like oh, yeah. nine to ten contested defensive one-on-ones a game. Yep. Um, no, hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to get into the big three. The big three. Uh, also, all Australian Sam Taylor. It's my three votes. Uh, kind of hard to go past someone who had a game like that. <laughs> Uh, 20 disposals, 12 marks, 12 intercept possessions, 7 rebound 50s, 10 one percenters. Like that stat line almost reads like I'm, a five-vote game. I'm going to – oh, I was going to say, I'm going to jump to it and say that he was my five votes because I want to talk about him now. Fair enough. To do over it again. Yep. I'm not sure I've ever seen a key defender play a better game. He was insane. Like I, I could not believe what a game he played. 12 intercept possessions, 12 marks, 10 intercept marks. It, yeah, I know. He's, 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 a, he's an absolute jet. Wild. And I'm shocked that I could only get him to three. Um, well, I, if we want to, if we want to, if I'm jumping ahead on my votes anyway, uh, my four is Maynard. Okay. Yep. Um, I I loved his game. I his stat line didn't reflect it. It was one of those games. It's where, an impact like, game. It didn't matter about his stats because he played a good enough game that I didn't care about them. Jack's gone off record. I got palm he's, cards today. He's thrown away his palm cards out of water and it's thrown me off. My phone's away. Um. um yeah. Yeah. I loved his game. Um, and yeah, capped the All Australian with that performance as well. So, all right. Well, I'll do my so four. Do your, your four, because um, you've already done your five. <laughs> uh, you've done all yours, haven't you? No, I've got my three. Oh, do your three. <laughs> this is shambles. My three votes is James Sicily. Yeah, okay, that's um, my five. Your five? Yeah. He had thirty-three disposals and almost every single one of them in the back line. Um, Christ, I don't, right. I don't oh, know what to say about that game. Half of James Sicily's disposals were marks. But he had 33 disposals. 17 marks <laughs> and three spoils. He chucked yeah. a couple in there as well. I uh, truly cannot believe he was not Australian. It's he a, had a, a far better season than Stuart. I swapped the two instantly. Yeah. In the game. Like, 
I know that's not meant to impact all Australian, but I actually think it should. I think suspension should. Yeah, Sicily ahead of Stewart every day. Um, that's coming from a Geelong supporter, guys. Um, Sicily also had nine intercept possessions and nine rebound fifties. Just the crux of my intro. (laughs) Just to top it off. Yeah, it Um, was so good. Um, yeah, uh, that's the reason I couldn't get Sam Taylor five because I thought Sicily's game was better. Them playing him as a centre half back instead of a midfielder this week, um, looked good. I liked Mm. it. Maybe that was a good idea. Playing in this position, it's nice. Well, you got to try something. Two games left in the season. Mitchell doing a bit of crazy Bevo tactics in round 20. Why not? Um, so, so I, I guess, guess all that's left is your four? My four. Drum roll. I don't think he's gotten a vote before. I don't even know if he's a full-time defender. <laughs> ben Long. Oh, yeah. Ben Long. He's a, yeah, he's a, he's a weird one. He's been in our um, back pocket fantasy team all year yep. because he's down as a defense forward. And yep. boy, there's not many of them. Well, he played as a defender this week. Yeah. Uh, all right. 27. 27- 27 disposals, 17 marks, 96% efficiency, 13 intercept possessions, and 8 rebound 50s. I, I saw a lot of, like, joking praise on the, like, on St Kilda Twitter and Big Footy this week because, like, he's their whippy boy so regularly. Uh, and well, all of them being it. like, wow, Ben Long, where has this he been? He killed it. He ripped. Do you reckon he's up? Is he up for contract? Maybe. He's just, just putting his putting feelers out there? I'm not sure. Uh, I, I feel like Ben Long's been a bit My Ben Long trivia is that... When he plays against Carlton, somehow he does really well. Uh, that's all I know about Ben Long. <laughs> so he's your least favourite kind of player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, that's a pretty fair set of votes. The players that you voted for that I didn't, which were Collins and Long, I did think had fantastic games. Um, and I replaced them with another Queenslander and another St Kilda player. So I'm not sure what that means. Uh, Nothing. Numerology. Did you have any special mentions this week? No. I a couple. No, I don't. Um, mine were... Lewis Young? Yeah, he was probably the only one in my brain. We talked about and the Angus Brayshaw was my other. ratio earlier of someone's game. He had 20 disposals and 15 intercepts. Mm. Um, another catch of eight spoils, just how he goes about it these days. Yeah, I remember opening his stats and going, only eight? What is he doing? He's Crazy way down on only form. Only eight, right? Like, <laughs> his spoils is so much higher than anyone else in the comp this year. Like, he's yeah. light years ahead. And he's only played, like, what, eight, nine, 18, 19 games? Like, he hasn't yeah, played he's the full... Play- he has played less. Yeah. Um, Blake Hardwick? Um, yes. Really I had a look at him for me because Sicily was so it's good hard, in the same It's game. hard to overlook Sicily for um, Hardwick. He had twenty six touches at eighty eight mm-hmm. with eight intercepts, which is a his kicking probably of, the best game I've seen him play. His kicking efficiency was higher than Sicily's, they, but Sicily's just a beast. He and Sicily really kept them in that game for a long time. The doggies overran them in the end of it. Mm. It felt like that was always going to happen. Yeah, but it was exciting for a little while. It was. Um, and my last one is Aaliyah. Um I also looked at Aaliyah. He's so, had a really good year, hasn't he? I think um, I should just write down my special mentions <laughs> instead of deleting them because they were all the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which that means, with no surprises to anyone, that the inaugural Savani Scarlet Medal Sam goes, Collins. To, <laughs> goes to Tom Barras. Yes. Congratulations. Who, uh, amassed 43 votes, which was 11 clear of Jack Sinclair in second How many place. of those votes did you do your research oh, in the last, like, five rounds oh, of the I season? but it'd be a lot. I can I can I can look into it and I'll post it on Too Instagram hard. Or, or something. Um, so to start being snubbed by the All Australian team, he has secured this far more important, prestigious, prestigious award. Um, I, I think he had a great year. Obviously, the bottom two ness of it is what's kept him out of the All Australian side. I think it doesn't help. No, um, but I feel like it shouldn't be a detractor no. if you've had. A year as good as he had. Yeah. Especially well, a second half of the year. Gary Ablett won a Brownlow for fucking Gold Coast and they had a pretty shocking 12, 12, general 13, year. Yeah. Um, 
how many teams were there then? <laughs> were there 17 or 18? 18. Um, and like, That's why they finished 12th because they got to beat up on GWS a couple of times. I feel like the same should apply here. If you've had a season as good uh, good enough to be, I think, in the top two key defenders in the league mm. um, alongside Taylor, I think you deserve that spot. Like I th- I, and this is no discredit to Matt. He has been very good again. Yeah, and their team think, is, uh, spoilers, yeah, like, they, they have the best defensive record. So much better. Um, like, Barras is dealing with not much support down there. McGovern going down twice in the one year just mm-hmm. to leave his other key stocks down. He's got kids surrounding him. Yeah. Um, Bazo obviously looked pretty good under pressure a few times, but he's playing with kids and players he hasn't, had to, hasn't played with before and still had such a good season. Yeah. Um, it was just a bit rough, I think. And despite Geelong trying to target Hawkins all day, he still kept him to, what was it, like three goals or something. Um, kick five, didn't he? Kick five. It helps when you have like a million inside 50s. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it was... Interesting that he didn't get in, but uh, at least he made the squad. Unlike uh, two of our favourites, which is Redmond and Dale, who I thought were both a bit stiff. Doherty didn't make the squad he either. They only have so many defenders in there. <sighs> Doherty didn't make the squad Doherty either. didn't make the squad. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, weird. McRae did, somehow. Yeah, no, I don't Liberatore know how that happened. McRae did. Um, I thought Liberatore did. No. Oh, well... Liberatore and Dale, who I reckon will be one and two in the Bulldogs' best and fairest this year, didn't make the Australian squad. Look, it, like I said, it, it does come down somewhat to popularity and past form. Past form we were talking about Harris Andrews just before. I feel like he's got a second jacket just based on one season alone. Yeah. Um, and you see Weedering get picked this year. Despite having a great year, yeah. he fell off immediately after injury. When he came back, he the was not the same. The forward flank this year. Like, Montempelli last season. Yeah. It, um, there's always a handful, but... Overall, I'm generally pretty happy. It was, with it was the one team. of the better teams I've seen for a while. I think. I just um, have to wonder why they don't start naming a sub. Twenty-three yeah, players win a premiership medallion. Do you name the sub strategically, like a team would? Would you name the sub nah. as someone who'd be better at taking anyone's spot? Well, the sub. You, well, I mean, if it was this year, you put the sub as blitz ups, right? Yeah. Who was but the first I mean, able to change bench, which is genuinely the best place for him because. But I think with the all Australian team, you would literally just pick the, the best, best player that's missed out. Who's who's the twenty third player? Laird? Has to be Laird. Yeah, probably. He had a phenomenal season of football. I think there's a there's a handful you could pick. Um and I think Sam Walsh is one of them. Um had a very good year, especially in some of the games he played injured. Um, another one off the top of my head that I had before we started recording and now it's gone. I'll come back to it later. Right. I'll shout it out. Now I talked to you about this last night. Um sure. in what comes as a surprise. Probably no one because Oh, I, Josh Josh Dacos. Oh, yeah. I can't believe he wasn't picked on a wing. He should have been. Um, but you go, it ends up moving the whole team. So Miller yeah, ends up going to the bench. The or, yeah. And then Rosie like, I, ends I, I up out. I swap him for Rosie. And Rosie had a good year, but that was my swap, I think. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to... And Kane Corns hates Collingwood. So he would have really been in the years about that one. Um, but yeah, my, my second award that I came up with, because that award wasn't shocking at all because we knew the result. I had no, I had no input in this. This is all... It was all me. All I talked to you about it a few weeks ago. And you went, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how all of our conversations go. And then you'll talk to me three weeks later. And I'm like, oh, do you remember this? And I'm like, no. Nah. So I'm tentatively coining it the Champion Data Award because um, it is just purely numbers-based. Oh, how'd you get that one? Um, it's based on all players listed as defensive or key defensive posts on the Australian on the AFL website. Um, oh, yeah. You refused to tell me who this was. And it's a collation of the best 25 players in each category that we typically talk about. So that's rebound 50s, contested marks. Mm-hmm. It's too many things. I'm not going to talk about them all. Um, the best player earns 25 points on that list, and the 25th earns one point. Anyone below that doesn't earn any. If you're okay. equal 25th, you all get one vote, basically. Oh, sure. That said, it the couldn't, top five... You couldn't even put it on one 
punk oh. art. And I was pretty happy with this. Go like, from fifth up, right? Do I need to wait some of these? Yeah, reverse order, of course. I was like, do I need to wait some of these because it might be like some stats are outweighing others? But then I saw the top five and I went, oh. Alrighty. So the top five purely stats-based defenders. Fifth place is Stephen May. Okay, makes sense. All, all, all Australian. Fourth place is Tom Barras. Should be all Australian. Points. Third place was Tom Stewart on 114 well, there points. There you go. Second place was Sam Taylor on 118 points. All Australian. And first place... Just to keep up our momentum of giving awards to people who were robbed in All-Australian Night, first place was James Sicily. Yep, there you go. I'm way happy. Clear, way clear of anyone else. What was his score? 150 points. Really? 40, oh, 32 points clear of second place. That much higher? And fifth to second was only 15 points. What was his particular stat? Because I thought surely Tom Stewart's stat would get inflated by his disposals. And playing less games. Yeah. I Well, disposals was disposals that were efficient only. Yeah. Um, and obviously Sicily has good for that. But marks, I guess, would have yeah. up marks and contested marks. That's, followed with spoils and disposals and everything. But it's yeah. A, it's a good top five. So far ahead. Do you have the rest of them? I, I have it. On, yeah, I can, you can I send can that to me. To, I'll send it to you later. Yeah, I want to read it. Um, yeah, the list was quite long in the end. It was good to see some players like Lewis Young and Sam DeConing up so high mm-hmm. um, being, you know. That's it. Those were two of the ones I was going to ask about. Yeah, they were up like reasonably high. Obviously, disposals let them down. Did you count bounces? Compared to some others. I didn't count bounces. <laughs> Salad would have just killed it. Just take home the 25. No one else gets a vote. <laughs> the only thing that didn't get a um, full 25 was score involvements. Yes, I was. Where the maximum votes was 15. Okay. So it was like weighted down, but still, if you're starting a score involvement from the back half, you're probably doing something right. Um, I finally came up with the term for our shield, as I told you last night, which is the Jakovic-Brennan shield um, for the best defensive team in the comp, named after Michael Brennan and Glenn Jakovic. Uh, purely because, I couldn't mm. think of a name for it, wanted to name it after the defensive coach of the best defence in AFL history from <laughs> 1990 onwards. And who was that? Uh, Silvani, wasn't it? <laughs> coach St Kilda to a 1,411 points against season, which is freakishly low. 22 game season? Yeah. Yeah. yeah full, full year. Crazy stuff. Um, that was 2009, the year that they were the best team. Um, I think, I think there's very little disagreeing with that. 60 points a game against. Yeah. Roughly. Wild. Um, and even that grand final was, I think like 69 to 60. Yeah, so like it, was, it wasn't, it was, it was close. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, in 1991 and 94, part of this reason. Do you mean 1991 to 94? No, no, those two specific years. Oh, okay. West Coast recorded two of the 20 lowest totals since 1990, mm-hmm. in years where, like, players were regularly kicking 100 goals a game. Yeah. They were, like, 300 points better than the next team in one of those seasons. Their back line was just, like, all clamps. Um, and all clamps. My, <laughs> my thing I loved about this was, like, you all can clamps. say there's no relevance to the team having the best defensive uh, score in the competition, but my argument to that is there's the exact same amount of relevance to a team finishing top of the ladder, because I did the maths. Ah, oh, here we go. And since 1990... The team with the lowest defence, like the lowest scores against, yeah. has won the premiership the same number of times as the team that's finished on top of the ladder. Oh, there you go. Um, Three. And we could see a tie break this year because the two favourites currently are Geelong and Melbourne, and Melbourne had the best defence. Pipping out Geelong and Frio by eight points to third place. It was yeah. the closest it's ever been, top two, and then even closer, top three. Someone out there who has a boner for stats is listening to this going, <laughs> yes! Having the best time of their life. You're going to have to um, mute that. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, West Coast, the reason I decided to name it after them was they won it five years in a row at one point. 
that it was just a ridiculous record. Um, my fun quirk is that in 2020, which mm-hmm. I couldn't include in the stats because it was the COVID year. Yeah, yeah. Less um, games. Even if you multiply time. the scores to get them up yeah. to scratch, so it's a 1.38 or whatever it is, you multiply it by, mm-hmm. Port Adelaide would have had the best ever that year. Really? Uh, 14.06 it would have come in at. Uh, it's the best score per minute in AFL history was that season. Um, and it's wild. Should, uh, should rename it the Clurry... The Clurry Jonas medal. Clurry Jonas medal. Clurry Jonas Aaliyah medal. It's too, too Clu- many names. Clurry Jonas shield. Isn't that? It's a shield, isn't it? It's a shield. Yeah. Are you making these out of? I'm, I'll my. Yeah, I'll hand make that one. <laughs> um, yeah. I look. I um, it's finals almost, and I hate the fact that we've got a week off. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, because it means I can work the weekend and not have to be watching football games while people are calling me and annoying me. That is true. Um, and it means that I can play video games without having to watch footy. <laughs> it's I, the best um, week of the year. Originally complained about the Geelong game being a twi- like a Twilight fixture. You did complain about that, and I remember going, "Eh." Well, I just thought that the two biggest, like the biggest game, you think you put on a night game, especially Friday night. But then I learned that it was a Geelong request. Oh, really? Because... And suddenly it's okay. Well, no, I, well, I, no, it was more that it was okay as to why. So, obviously, they're playing a home final at the MCG. Mm-hmm. And the reason was that more people from Geelong will be able to make it ah. compared to if it's a night game where they'd be getting home at, like, 11.30. Yeah, that's fair so enough. So, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. But it just seemed kind of kills the vibe of a big final to have it... No, it doesn't. ...at, like, 3 p.m. Well... Not really, because, um, I mean, we both work Saturdays mm. every now and then. Uh, but I had to change my shift. People people don't. People will sit on the couch oh, yeah. all day, cook a roast, watch footy. Yeah, absolutely. They will do that. It's better than the Snags Saturday morning the slot where football goes to die because everyone's doing, like, their kids' footy. and oh, Thursday's a bad one. Thursday afternoon. Yeah, everyone watches those, though. Good for the TV numbers. Yeah, I watch it on TV, but I would never go to one. It makes the weekend too long as well, I think, a Thursday night game. Yeah. I'm much more fond of the Friday to Sunday weekend. Just do the waffle. Put every game on at the same time on every Saturday. Every game at the same time. That's hectic stuff, isn't it? Yep. Just do uh, that. I wish the VFL did that, but there's just too many teams. For that there's too many game. teams and they like to do curtain raises. They should. They need to just bring the VFL back to being like a resis comp. I feel like as much as I have a lot of love for some of those teams, now that like Richmond split off from Coburg, Hawthorne split off from Box Hill, Essendon split off from Bendigo, so like 20, 2014 there's or something like 20 that? 20-something. But I think there's a lot of teams there that you don't want to lose. I don't think you want to lose uh, Williamstown. I don't think you want to lose Port Melbourne, yeah. Coburg. Oh, I certainly don't want to lose the Northern Bull Ants, but, you know, the way they've been going, Didn't I wouldn't be surprised. They last requisite player like two weeks before the, the It was something like that. It was ridiculous that they had two days or something to sign a footballer. Um, they played, uh, I think they played what Box. What was the final score in that game? They played Box Hill, who aren't even AFL affiliated anymore. Uh, and the final score in that game uh, was it last was one hundred and ninety one oh. to ten. Was that all ten points too? Was it twenty nine goals, seventeen to ten behinds? Oh. oh no! It's it's not it's not pretty. That's ugly uh, watching. And I think does that put them on the bottom of the ladder officially below Williamstown I, by two I games? I have to say that I'm glad no waffle game I've worked this year has been quite that bad. I'm glad for you. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I couldn't deal with watching a game like that. That would be torture. It's, it, it is torture. Um, and I can only imagine how it must have felt for the fans there and even the players. Um, but you look at the, the VFL 
top eight and there's only one non-AFL affiliated yeah. side in there. Oh, actually two. Box Hill's in above Richmond. Sorry, that changed. Um, so it's, I understand where you're coming from, but I think like you don't want to lose history. Like as much as we talk crap about North or yeah, yeah, yeah. moving St Kilda, I wouldn't want it to happen end of the day because... It didn't, didn't affect South Melbourne or Fitzroy. It didn't, but I feel like it's different now. I think now. it affected Fitzroy more. I think it's different now. Yeah. I think Fitzroy, it did affect. And I think there are still people out there who consider themselves Fitzroy fans. Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone else has swapped over. Um, I do say there's no football on. The AFL season obviously started this weekend as well. Do you mean the AFLW? AFL, yeah, that one. The AFLW season started this weekend, um, which I haven't been able to catch because it's been on during the day. Yeah, I, uh, work, I'll i be honest, I forgot that it started. And I looked it up today, I'm like, oh, when, when when's the Carlton Collingwood game? And I'm oh, like, oh, it was, it was yesterday. Um, Collingwood's... Uh, they won that game by more than the men's team have won a game by for their last eight wins. <laughs> and it was only 18 points. Um, the grand final rematch was today and Melbourne look terrifyingly good. You shouldn't be able to say that good after all the expansion teams have come in, but they have. Oh, well, the expansion teams robbed everyone in the middle and bottom yeah, of the yeah, ladder. Yeah, the teams that had just come in. Yeah. Um, it's it's crazy. Chris Barkas, NAB AFL Junior, despite not being playing... <laughs> A game for Essendon yet? It's crazy, and I don't, I don't really mind. Like, I'm not going to complain too hard about it, but it is crazy how little time those clubs are given to nurture these players before they get traded or it's a, poached. Because women's footy is brutal currently. When they of, had the first yeah. trade period after the first season, so many players moved clubs. I was shocked because you used to men's footy where you're like watching trade week and there's just like three hours go by and it's just like rumors of trades but i think it's because is it because there's less money in it that they're happy to swap over for a little like a tiny bit more i think so i also think that like as clubs expanded out like a lot of people go have the go home factor in afl yeah in the men's comp and as there's been more clubs that's been more able to happen in the women's comp like obviously the best example is aaron phillips playing for port now but yeah yeah, yeah dad played for port and that, that's like the link so I'm thinking it might slow down as time goes by. Also, hopefully, as they get paid more. Yeah, it just it just feels bad to the next year have seven players who yeah. used to play for your club somewhere else. Not the AFL also absolutely shooting the Collingwood North Melbourne game in the back of the head behind a tent by scheduling it before <laughs> the semi final or the, sorry the qualifying final next week. I'm sure they're in the boardroom going, so many people are going to come to this AFLW game. We need to put it at the MCG, and then they've gone. Yeah, we'll do it to that game that's sold out. So the only people that can go are people who have tickets to the sold out game and not the people that want to go to that game. Yeah. Weird call. Um, look, I, I hope people go. And I, I hope that it being a Collingwood game, both the men's and women's, means people do. Yeah. That, that's the only real big draw factor. Well, I mean, I don't I know why they don't just There had to have been a way that they could, like, cordon off parts of the seats. Yeah, and then buy tickets out. to the women's game only and then leave. Ah, you know. Too hard for the AFL, too much effort. Well, they've done a better job than I think the AFL could have ever been expected to do of anything of getting the women's comp off the ground in the last few years. It's not a good job. Um, I feel like you just have to look at women's cricket in this country to look at how it can be done very effectively. The difference is you don't have to have 18 cricket teams like no, that is on, true. in a competition. They didn't have to have 18 football teams. They didn't. And you know what? They shouldn't. They should have done. I feel like Gil just wanted to get it done before he left. I know. I know that's exactly what he's done, but... Wouldn't it have been a good time to like create franchises that weren't AFL linked? Mm-hmm. Like you could have standalone. If you tanks. create, how many clubs were there at first? Six or eight? Was it, it six? Was six at the start. If you create six unique clubs, it was eight in year two. I think it was. Steal the VFL licenses. Like 12 and 
whatever. But I guess part of their support is based on the fact that people who watch Geelong games or Collingwood games are going to. And, and it has worked. It absolutely. has. Um, and, and a lot of the clubs do a really strong link between them. Mm. Um, and that's always good to see. Like, obviously, Geelong and Carlton having their own home grounds really helps mm-hmm. them. Um, and I think... The other one is that I think of as really good is Collingwood. Because yeah, I've seen a lot of Collingwood men's players. So like that does really help. Collingwood have games. a netball team. Do they have a soccer team as well? And or did Essendon I make that up? Have an esports team. I don't think they do anymore. No. No. Do you reckon Dodora drafted for them as well? I or? think the gadget type operators are no longer in employed. We, we've skirted that topic um, the last few weeks, but boy, Essendon's going. Are we going to talk about that real quick? I only want to talk about it because Robert Walls is involved now. Uh. Look, How I, does that happen again? How does... Who's sitting there going, you know who we need to bring in to find our next coach? The guy that sent Ross Lyon to St Kilda. Gadget type operators were disbanded in 2019. Oh, no. 2nd of December. That's such a shame. They came first in the OPL 2019 split one playoffs. Do I know what that means? Absolutely not. Uh, but I'm proud of them. Good for them. The online Premier League, I would assume? Maybe. I don't... It's the Oceanic Pro League. Oh. I'm on the Wikipedia page. Hold on. I'm diving deep for a second here. Uh, League of Legends. I'm out. Oh. <laughs> um, Essendon. Yeah, it's been a bit of a shambles, hasn't it? It seems like it's been... And look, trial by media, a lot of it. It seems like it's been a wild overreaction to a bad year. Like, I feel like that they've just gone so far one direction. Like... They had a few games towards the end of the year they could have won. There were a couple of kicks out. Obviously, the um, Carlton getting hung in there. Collingwood, they probably should have beaten. And there was another game in there, West Coast. Mm. They probably could have finished two or three games out of the eight this year. Yeah, but again, uh, and I hate to quote um, media people I don't like, they're fake wins. They are fake they're wins. They're fake. Oh, I absolutely And agree. their season has been a bottom four season, regardless of these back-end wins. But do you sack a three-year coach? I don't. I personally don't, especially with the way he behaved in the last two or three weeks of the club. You could tell that was a man who was all in and cared for his job, uh, and everything has been disrupted. The board's been spilt. People have been sacked. People have left their job. The only person who's going to be standing at the end of that Dodoro. club is Sheedy and Dodoro, and we're just going to repeat the same cycle. It's, it's interesting, though. It's kind of a, a repeat of, well... Not quite, because the door is still there and Collingwood got rid of Ned Guy. But hmm. it's very similar to what happened late last year with Collingwood. The president left, the board basically all left, a new board got elected, a new president got elected, they got a new coach. I and don't it really think, regenerated club culture. I don't think there was drama regarding that, though. I think that all happened above board. It did, it did. This this has all been... This is ha- well, we haphazard or week, ad hoc or whatever uh, they're you, calling it. You mostly said last week that you wouldn't be surprised if Essendon had sacked rotten behind closed and doors wanted to hide it um because they wanted to basically stick one up the media and mm-hmm. then, ha- then had to sack him a week later anyway basically immediately after the game which yep. says it was done um there's a lot of boys who really like rotten at that football club um the, the reports are he's a very good people person the footballers get along really well with him and i do wonder if that's going to have damage to relationships with that club sard obviously talked about how he didn't like how the club was being managed mm-hmm. he said he was leaving for more success which was a different story but he also said on the way out that he did not enjoy the way the club was being managed i think they also turned around and basically the lit up lit up the uh the relationship between the two yeah. completely um i remember the way they handle anyone leaving their club is just they're the Tony worst cochrane does similar at gold coast and I He's saw, doing that at the moment with I Rankin. I saw him do it with Rankin and I was like, mate, he wants to go home for double the money you're offering him. Like, if I was living in Queensland, 
I didn't even mean to say the same state he's in, but like theoretically, if I was living in Queensland <laughs> and I was doing the job I'm doing now, and someone in Perth, not necessarily like the Midland area, but like someone in Perth, oh, don't dox us in like Mandra was like, hey, do you want to come and work back in Western Australia for double the money you're currently on? I'd be like, when can I start? Yeah. It's a job for these people. And people might get – people are lucky to get five or ten years out of football. And I know they get paid a lot of money, but a lot of them have nothing going on after it. And just like Gold Coast will be compensated for this. Yeah. They will receive a first-round pick, if not more. They yeah. might receive a player. They already have Roses on their list who can play that spot. Alex Sexton has been playing uh, – At- Adelaide VFL. know they have to play ball because I can't remember who it was. North said they'll take him in the draft. I think West Coast said they would yeah. take him. So, like, there's two clubs that are basically going to go, well, if you don't trade for him. He's ours. Which means he'll sign Adelaide if the trade doesn't happen. Yeah. So, sign a Gold Coast, sorry, if the trade doesn't happen. Yeah. But um, it's like, it seems like a weird reaction about it's these people's jobs. Like, it's it's not, it's passion for fans. It's passion for people who run a club. But for the players, it's a job. I spoke about it the other day with Carl Amon, and I can't remember exactly who yeah, came out said and said it. Was... But they said he was a, 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 a soldier at our club. He would, would die for the jumper. Hey, but he's moving on for more money dub. and respect that. Yeah, he got he got the quadruple double. He was the closest man to do it before, closest man to it, and yeah. then he followed it up. Um, so I think I think there is something to be said about dignity in the way that football clubs are handled, and I'm not seeing a lot of that from Essendon at all. It, it just seems like open slather. It feels like no one has anyone's support. Sheedy basically destroying the Clarkson, like even from getting close to off the ground, mm-hmm. which Clarkson basically said never was going to, but him going out on radio and basically just ruining any chance of that happening was insane. And I feel like it's going to just rear its ugly head again when I don't know who their coach is going to be, but when it comes to trade period and Dodoro comes out and says, uh, we'll give you pick 74 for Josh Dunkley and you also have to give us Jack McRae. Or like someone will ask to leave Essendon and they'll be like, well, we need three first rounders. Like, hello, hello Brisbane. We would like Rainer, Andrews, the Beast. We want everyone. And you can have Nick Cox. Um, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, he'd Nick, want a lot more than that He'd want Cox. a lot for Nick Cox. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a shame... To see it happening after, like, how promising their kids and talent looked last mm-hmm. year. And they've um, got a lot of... And obviously, you know, I'm not a huge Essendon fan, but they've got a lot of talent that I really enjoy watching. I love watching Durham. I really like Nick Martin. Um, I think that uh, Archie Perkins is good. I really like Harrison Jones. Really dynamic. Yeah, I was say, when Harrison Jones came back, they looked really dynamic. Yep. Zerk Thatcher looks like he is. Oh, you know how I feel Ooh. about BCT. Which is a good thing they didn't get Clarkson, because if you took him out of those sleeves, I would have been living. I'll take a BCT with extra Zerk, thanks. <laughs> Uh, he's yeah and, and there's a lot to like about the squad um, especially when you look at like the youth in that midfield also looks very talented it's they're just they're lacking the they're lacking up forward with a small forward they need a power mid and a small forward yeah which, obviously are, losing, which are two hard things to get yes obviously losing Tip and Woody and then um, I think they also didn't account for uh, Irving Mosquito to retire so early um, obviously he had a bad knee injury I think he was playing in Darwin when it happened yeah. Uh, and I don't think he had the Tim motivation. Lee, Mosquito and Smith all being yeah. shot to shreds this year. Well, I, I think that like yeah. at the start of the year, the big one was obviously Jones was injured. Yeah, Stringer was injured. Mm-hmm. Jim Woody retired, and Smith was injured. And it was like four of their top six goal scorers weren't yeah. in the park to start the season, and that's going to hurt any team. And they've had some interruptions through the midfield. There've been games McGrath didn't play. There were games where Parrish didn't play. Um, yeah. But 
overall, I still think it's a, a pretty huge fail of a season. Is it coach sacking worthy? No. No, it's one of those ones where you go, oh, another one of them, and that's bad. Yeah, exactly. Because um, they, they weren't expected to make the eight last year. Like, that was the difference. Like, I feel like their expectations got too high following that. Yes, and, and I think those stat- expectations even played on the public because you and our mate both had them... I had them eighth, I think. Eighth, and he had them sixth, I believe, yeah. and you were what? Many spots off. Many spots off. Um, yeah, it was just a, a, a bit of a weird one. Like, obviously, last year, we all knew the stat that they'd only beaten teams outside the mm-hmm. top eight um, and hadn't even beaten all of them, but they'd only beaten those sides and lost to every team inside the eight when they played them. So I don't know you know, why internally at the club they expected this gangbuster season this year, especially with the injuries they had. But, expectations yeah. AFL it's how it works Essendon are a big club they are. they're always going to have that expectation yeah. on them huge um, I know, living over here I feel like it's they're one of the most followed non-Western Australian mm-hmm. clubs going around and that's due to the success they had when we were kids yep. and everyone grew up going oh bloody hell they're good and you watch someone like James Hurd running around playing football like no one's ever seen before and, yeah, and hopefully we don't watch him running around coaching oh boy well his, his son's been delisted so maybe that like <laughs> No, the conflict of interest is gone, so he can is, come is back. That, is that a conflict of interest? I feel like coaching Sil- again. Silvani had to retire as list manager over the Silvanis, so over weird. the over Jack and Ben. List manager is a bit different to coach, though, isn't it? Like coaching is. I feel like the coach should have influence over the list yes. manager. The coach should be able to come out and say, "Hey, we need a tall forward." On that note, we talked about this the other day. Did we? A coach is allowed to sack the football boss. <laughs> yes. End of. <laughs> Oh, well, it depends thing. on your club hierarchy. If the if coach is Clarko, above... If the coach is Clarko, they can sack anyone. I feel like Sonia Hood's going to get rid of anyone that she needs to to keep Clarko happy. And I don't blame her. <laughs> like she's what? she's publicly backed Ben Amafio, but if I, Clarko turned around and said, get rid of him... comments about Kane Corns were so funny. Where she's like, hey, I would have loved to have come on and spoken to club legend David King about our appointment of Alistair Clarkson. However, you just seemed to want to light things up in the media and I just didn't want to talk to you, Kane. Brilliant. Uh, she's she's a firecracker and I hate so using that term. but uh, So good. I'm enjoying her so far. I wonder if they flounder again, whether or not she's going to become a bit of a basket case like you see with others. But, um, you know, she's been under fire a lot this year and she's done better than the incoming Essendon president. By a long shot. Yes. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we go. What's your uh, What's your pick first week of finals before we disappear into oblivion? I don't know what games are on. Uh, we got <laughs> Melbourne, Sydney. I'm Melbourne. checked out. Buddy. Melbourne, Sydney, and Melbourne. Okay. We got. Oh, you want me to pick yeah, a winner? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm picking a winner. I'm picking Sydney. Sydney. Yep. I'm borderline Melbourne. Uh, they the, live in WA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perth is just like wishes it was Melbourne and now it's all closed. Um, we've got Brisbane, Richmond at the Gabba. Richmond. Yeah. Right. I'm going. Richmond. Richmond. Yeah, I'm going Richmond. Uh, Geelong, Collingwood. Geelong by Geelong. 80 points. It, 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 it will either Smash be em. a close and frustrating game or it will be just horrific. It's it, either going to be like Collingwood could, by two points or Geelong by North 80. Made, it was like 2007, North made no. the top four. <laughs> What was it? it was the it was the worst percentage of teams had in the top four ever until Collingwood did it this year. Yeah, North made the top four with a percentage of like one hundred and four. The first week, Port beat them by like eighty points. Yeah. and then they beat Hawthorne, who finished eighth. And then Geelong beat them by like, the other round. So Geelong beat them by like eighty. Then they beat Hawthorne. Then Port beat them by like seventy. And it was like, oh, they really were yeah that far out of touch. I'm worried that's going to happen with Collingwood this year. Uh, they've overachieved so far; it doesn't really matter. Like if you go from bottom two to top four, 
straight sets is probably fine. Yeah, like, I feel like a finals win is the pass for them right now. If you make top four, you want a finals win. having won 12 of your last 13 games. If you make top four and don't win a game, no matter where you came from, that's a <laughs> fail of a season. <laughs> Brisbane. Um, <laughs> well, they can't um, do it this year because they didn't make the top four. So, and anyway. the last game... I'm picking Geelong. Is Fremantle Bulldogs in first. Fremantle. I think Frio so comfortably. Yep. Um, they are a strong outfit. They finished very close to fourth for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they'll make easy work with the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs, I mean, this is going to hurt you, but the Bulldogs were not the eighth best team in the competition this no, year. No, they were not. Um, it's very clear I, who that team was. Especially if you take out the first five or six weeks of the season, I don't even think the Bulldogs were the ninth best team in the competition. <laughs> I think Port would be a way bigger threat in finals than the Bulldogs. I, I definitely agree with that. Bulldogs pulled off that miraculous win against Melbourne, which was awesome to watch. That was so exciting, the Eugle Hagen coming-of-age game. But some of the other times I've seen the Bulldogs come up against top eight contenders and just get Pants. pushed aside. They played well against Melbourne. They did. They played well against Geelong the first time. So maybe maybe they can pull something out of the hat. Yeah. You, I, know, what, look, you know what Bevo is like Bulldogs in finals in time. finals? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not writing them off, but I am writing them off. <laughs> so, yes, I'm picking Fremantle um, easily. Freer is the only team outside the top four, I think. Can win it? Can win I was going to say the same thing. They're my um, smoky. Brisbane's final chances are awful. They're a little uh, smoky. Richmond, I don't think they can play their best four weeks in a row. I'm not writing Richmond off. I'm probably writing the other two off. Um, and Bulldogs, we just talked about that. So. Yeah. Well, it has been fun. Mm. Um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I feel like we really swapped places. Like We started the season and Carlton was out overperforming and Geelong had dropped some awful games. And I'm like, man... Looking at like a middling finish this year. Mm, I do remember that. Really start. turned around. Um, yeah, it was supposed by post COVID. <sighs> Everything's post COVID now, Jack. COVID. We're we're mid COVID, pre COVID, post COVID. We're pre monkeypox. <laughs> um, God, if you come first home with AFL monkey player to get monkeypox, Jake Stringer. Oh, if we're taking bets, <sighs> I reckon it might be. It's got to be it's a dread. It's got to be now. a dreadlocked player. You reckon Jai Cully? <laughs> oh, Cully would be a good chance, I reckon. Oh, no, Jordan Degloe. Uh, he does travel a bit. Yeah, you go to Bali, bring that monkey yeah, box, yeah, and yeah. what's that along? Foot and mouth disease? He's already got that. Oh, no, yeah, no, he puts his foot in his mouth. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, that's not a disease, though, that's just his brain. <laughs> anyway, um, it has been a joy. Uh, whether we talk about the grand final after it's over or not uh, might depend on the result of the grand final. Um, but I'll be around. We'll be back. I'll do maybe, a solo maybe podcast. Let's make a little uh, draft week special or something. That could be fun. That could be fun. Talk about the defenders that got picked up. Coincidentally, I may not be in the country on draft night, so we might have to do a recap <laughs> immediately after. So it's all right. There's um, no, there's no pressure. No it's pressure. A, it's not like there's going to be a game in between draft night and us posting the podcast. Like <laughs> Actually, there was a <laughs> bushfire match. One of the draftees plays in it. That'd be cool. Um, I'd love that again. That was so fun. Was fun. Um, let's end the podcast now. Yeah. No more rambling. Have a good night, everyone. Good, good, good life. Happy finals. Do a Christmas. Do a Christmas.